All right, you're back in the DFSR. It's an NBA podcast. It's Thursday. It's February 6th. I'm Doug Norrie, and that is... James Davis. And we are back on the NBA podcast. We had a... I gotta tell you, we recorded a podcast yesterday that was maybe one of our best, sure. best ever. It's just an hour straight. Talked some trade stuff. Just gave crazy great stats. I was bringing an absolute total fire. You mm. were pretty good, mm. and then we lost the whole thing because of the technical difficulty. So it was a Windows. I want to shout shout out to Microsoft Windows. And if you noticed yesterday, and you're a Windows 10 user, the randomly your search bar just showed a big black box. And I guess in my case, also my voice recorder wasn't working. That's just because they released a patch overnight. Didn't tell anyone about it. Broke your search bar. Uh, and you got to wake up to that not working. So now it works. So thanks a lot. So anyone that, that would be why. So if you want to tweet at Microsoft, go ahead because it was their fault. Yeah. So anyway, we're gonna we're gonna roll it back today. It was disappointing, but it's okay. We can live to see another day. We are firmly in trade season. Trade deadline ends today in the afternoon. There was a bunch of trades that have happened over the last couple of days. Uh, we obviously the Capella and many many other pieces trade from Atlanta and Minnesota and Denver. And there's another team that I'm forgetting there. And Atlanta, oh yeah, Atlanta, Minnesota. Oh yeah, right. That's like Atlanta, Minnesota, Houston, and Denver completed the 14-team trade over uh, on Tuesday. And then yesterday, a bunch of guys get shipped around. Obviously, Andre Iguodala gets traded to the to Memphis. Excuse me, from Memphis to Miami, uh, and then he get back. They get back Justice Winslow, which I thought was a pretty nice. Memphis did a really nice job with that, I think. And then uh, Miami just like, kind of maybe going for it here but also allowing themselves some cap, cap flexibility into the next season, or the season where Giannis becomes a free agent as well because the, they signed Iguodala to a player extension, but it's a team option, so good for them. And it looks like they're trying to complete something for Danilo Gallinari too. That had not been finalized as of right now. We're recording this at 8.45 on Thursday morning, so the, the Gallo piece – and then other little trades, Burks and Robinson go from Golden State over to Philly. I think that's pretty much the extent of the meaningful trades that happened yesterday, right? Am I, am I missing something? There's, I feel like that is probably – oh, I guess Crowder is going to Miami. Is there anything else I'm missing here? Uh, I don't know. I wasn't totally listening to your summary of all the trades, oh. so hopefully they – Hopefully you nailed them. I was I was busy looking at today's slate. Sorry about that. Okay, my bad. Um, well, not no, why, why, why am I about? Wait a second. Why am I apologizing? <laughs> it's all your fault. Oh, well, for putting me on the spot. You didn't tell me you were going to quiz me about the trades going into this. Uh, but, I'm sure. You, I'm sure you hit it all though. You follow this stuff pretty closely. Yeah. So we have. Uh, so we have. I don't. I don't think the trade. It's funny about all the trade deadline stuff that's players moving around. I don't think it has too much meaningful impact uh, on DFS relevant stuff so far. I mean, the Gallo thing is interesting, but that actually hasn't been finalized, and OKC doesn't play today. So. The, look, there's a few, few more hours after the trade deadline. There's still some teams that probably want to make moves. I, I don't think, I still don't think there's going to be any huge pieces that move at the deadline, but uh, something to keep an eye on during the day. And as we and we'll roll game by game through these teams and just discuss with you know if there's anyone that's on the market uh, that, we, that you're going to need to keep an eye on. Go through the injury news as well. 7:30 slate. It starts so, so a half hour later than usual. Orlando and New York. Uh, Orlando's three-and-a-half-point favorites. Not a team that we've discussed from a DFS perspective uh, recently, and I felt, was thinking this as I was kind of monitoring their minutes two nights ago. I was just like, you know, Aaron Gordon, that's not a guy that has popped into a DFS lineup for me in a while. Uh, Fultz, Fournier, all these guys. Is this the night, though? Knicks are still a pretty bad d- defense. Is this the night you can think about maybe putting some magic into lineups? I think so, and it's a combination of the nice matchup with the Knicks, like you said. Um not only are they a good matchup, but this rates to be a pretty close game. And tonight there are there's a little bit of blowout concern, not probably more than usual, but it's just such a small slate that I think it's tough to ignore 
one of the teams with the best matchups going tonight. So I think for that reason, you know, one of the themes last night as I was writing the article for today was that tonight's not really a night. So last night was like the all-time get-away-with-murder slate, you know, like you could have had multiple guys go 9x points per dollar, 10x points per dollar in your lineup. I think the cash game line was over 360, so that's 6x points per dollar. Totally outrageous. Uh, Tonight is not one of those nights, at least early on. Um, you know, we'll get to this later, but the only real extenuating circumstance that we're looking to fill in right now is potentially Westbrook missing. If Westbrook plays tonight, this could be one of the stranger slates of the whole season where you're basically just middling out across the board, you know, like not taking taking any aggressive punt plays. And it's nights like that where these middle-of-the-road guys like Fournier, Aaron Gordon, where those guys tend to show up more often because, listen, on an average night, like I'll go back to last night, you were never going to play someone like Fournier when you could play, like, I don't know, Gordon Hayward with multiple guys missing on his team, right? right? So uh, even the mid-range guys were value guys last night. Tonight, I don't see that being the case, so I do think that you'll see some magic, at least, you know, flirt, like, with between 10 to 30% ownership, and that's a lot more than usual for them, for sure. Yeah, like, right now, we have Fournier and Terrence Ross and Gordon. This is very early, so, but the fact that these guys are even popping around at value is interesting, and I think part of it has to do, you know, I mentioned that we haven't thought about magic in a while for our lineups and i think that's been pretty much a industry-wide kind of thing and when ownership is low on guys even if the performance has been there we see prices drop right that this is a lot of time what's built into the algorithms is if no one's playing a guy for whatever reason matchup or just you know minutes or just or like you said there's been lots of other injury things over the course over the short term and the magic have not been one of those teams so we just see the prices kind of tick down and now aaron gordon at 6200 Looks pretty palatable for a guy that might can play 35 minutes in a close game. Fournier down to 52 on FanDuel. He's very scoring dependent. It's my only concern with him. Even Terrence Ross playing a lot of minutes off the bench. So, uh, yeah, not not a team that we thought about uh, a ton, but could be interesting here. The Knicks is going the other way. Uh, Alfred Payton's coming off a triple-double. That was in an overtime game. Uh, they There is some trade stuff with them. Like, they could trade or they really should trade Marcus Morris. If they didn't, it would feel absolutely crazy. But, um who wants Marcus Morris? Oh, everybody. Do you think they're yeah, yeah, I'm, really? Yeah, he's okay. a, he's he's pretty um, sought after commodity, especially from like teams like the Clippers. Uh, if you listen to like some other, wow. um, you listen to some other, uh, just like taking some other content. Yeah, like Marcus Morris is actually. So it's like so it's like the overt sexism is what they're going for, like someone who can kind of bully the other teams. Is it the Less than one assist a game. He apologized like, for that. He apologized for that. No, I think it's. Uh, I think it's. I, I think he. It's like he never said. I know he's he's shooting very well. I think I'm joking around, but this guy mostly just because he's an incredible head case, but he really is. The threes on Morris have been insane this year. Like, right. To shoot 43 percent from three as like you know kind of one of your team's de facto creators is is interesting. So yeah, I I get why people would want him, but it's just like man. Like, you know who would be great to hang out with right now? Marcus. Can we get this guy in here? Yeah, I'm hesitant to even say anything. So the fear, for fear that he hears it because I feel like he's like the guy that could try to track you down. Uh, <laughs> anything you like about the Knicks here from a DFS perspective, assuming this team stays intact through the trade deadline. Again, I feel absolutely crazy if they did it, but whatever. If they stay intact, anything to like here? Marcus Morris. <laughs> he's the guy that I wrote up last night. I do think, you know, he's, a, he's sort of outrageously scoring dependent. Again, like I, I'm just looking at this last game. Where you're like, okay, you have a guy who's going for 6,200. For starters, he's going to score 26 points from the field. And you're like, all right, right, okay. So am I getting like 50 fantasy points? No, you're going to get 28 fantasy points right. out of him because he's he's going to have the turnover. He's going to grab a couple boards off the glass. Um, and uh, yeah, so Morris, I do think he brings the floor though. One thing about these Knicks guys, it's kind of true with the Magic as well. 
is that they're sort of priced towards their season averages, right? But Morris will play 34 to 36 minutes in close games. It's just that that's a struggle for Knicks. Um, given that this is only a three-point game, I suspect it'll be close. And he's another sort of unexciting mid-range value sort of guy uh, that can start to fill in the gaps for you if we don't get any big news, you know, like a, a Westbrook-level news later on. Uh, I was trying to run this query real quick, but my my database is kind of lagging here. But I, I'm almost positive that Morris ranks as one of the highest points per fantasy point uh, ratio kind of guys in the league that are mm. it's usually reserved for shooting guards. Um, and actually, Fournier is one of the guys that's near the top of that list also. But these guys that are just incredibly scoring dependent to reach fantasy value, Morris is one of the rare guys who kind of lo- logs in as a small forward power forward type in the sense because he just doesn't seem to do a ton of other stuff. Uh, but I'm having trouble getting the query going. But I'm almost positive it's like 65, 70%, something like that, which is really, really high for anybody, but especially for a guy of, like, just frankly his body type. It's just, it's just, it's just very, very just weird. A, just one of the tallest guys on the court. Oh, one other guy I do want to shout out real quick is uh, Alfred Payton. Yeah. I think he's another guy. Now, R.J. Barrett might play tonight. He did go through a full practice yesterday, so there's some speculation that he returns, although it would likely be on a minutes limit. Um, but still, Payton's been tremendous. He's been, like, I don't know how closely you've been following his games because, yeah. you know, he's on the Knicks. But uh, he's like a mini Westbrook these days. <laughs> Last two games... 17, 11, and 15 against Cleveland. 15, 7, and 11 against Memphis. 10, 9, and 8 against Charlotte. Like, he's he's contributing all facets of the game. Uh, he can chip in steals here and there. Um, the one sort of fly in the ointment with running Knicks guys, though, the Magic are a sneaky, terrible DFS matchup yeah. this year. They just they just play so slow. They're the second slowest pace in the entire league with essentially a roughly, you know, league average-ish defense. Uh or I take that back, actually. It's a top... No, I, I misread this completely. It's a top 10 defense as well. So yeah. bottom two pace, top 10 defense means it's going to be tough to run guys into them very often. But I still think Peyton brings enough floor if Barrett were to miss that I think I could live with it. All right, let's move on to Sixers face the Bucks. Uh, Bucks are eight and a half point home favorites on the opening line. Oh, it's up to nine right now. They... They are coming off a game uh, on the road against the the Bucks are coming off a game on the road against the Pelicans where the line was looking a little bit weird like they were only six or seven point favorites and they ended up winning by 12. Now this is one of those games we talk about this with the Bucks where if you can get Giannis at max minutes and max minutes is like 33 minutes okay this is just kind of where he lands he's rarely going to push past that they really need to because they usually win the game so easily that uh, 33 now 33 minutes against the Pelicans the other night meant 34.17 rebounds, six assists, and a couple steal and a, you know blocking a steal. So he doesn't need tons Seems of fine. yeah, he doesn't <laughs> need tons of minutes. Let's work under the assumption that Westbrook plays right, um, and I'm only saying that because right. Harden is I think clearly the the guy if if Westbrook is not if Westbrook's out. But where does Giannis yeah. rank for you in that situation in terms of just kind of like fantasy floor against this Philly team? So Giannis is an interesting case for tonight I think um you know I think when a team has faced the exact same opponent previously in the season there is some merit to looking at that game and seeing sort of how it played out especially when you get these singular talent guys like LeBron and Giannis come to mind specifically so in that game uh, Giannis was not very effective he had 48 total fantasy points played 30 minutes the Bucks lost uh from a narrative perspective People look at Philly and they're like, this is the one team that could theoretically contain Giannis, right? right. They're just long at every position. Uh, they're athletic at every position, basically. And, you know, Giannis normally gets by on just like plowing by everyone, being taller and faster than some combination of the guys who can cover him. Uh, but Philly did present him with some problems. Now, when you look closer at the game, though, 
he did get 27 shots in the air. Right. <laughs> so he he liked what he was seeing or at least felt like he needed to force it. And he did snatch 14 rebounds in 30 minutes. So I don't think you can just cross him off entirely or anything. And I do think, you know, getting, we've talked about this in previous podcasts, but you might hear the difference between 30 and 33 minutes and you're like, man, it's three minutes. But when you're Giannis, that's an additional 10% of production on the guy who scores the very most fantasy points per minute in the entire league. So that really matters. And I think if you can get him at 33 minutes tonight, that he's a very, very safe play. Um, he's been killing it recently for what that's worth. But I, I think you can, if you can get him at 10% more minutes, basically, than he's played most of the season, looking at 60-plus fantasy points is very realistic, I think. Yeah, and I think, like you said, this is a, this is great to be a close game. I hear that, you know, they. it's almost like Philly built their team specifically to make sure they could beat him because Horford specifically has been a guy that's given him problems in the playoffs before, uh, but they're just long across the board. So, uh, the, yeah, I don't know if I'd... It's weird. I, I Probably in the end, if even if Harden didn't play, maybe we just kind of just go the LeBron route, although they're still pretty close in price. Uh, this would be something that I'm going to take a little closer look. Anything else about the Bucks, And then walk me through what you think about the uh, the Sixers. I almost said the Eagles. The Sixers here. Embiid has, has been back from the hand injury, but has been... Kind of. Yeah, I know. He's been so up and down. Like, he you know he had the eight, 19, point, 19 fantasy point game against Boston, which was terrible. Has been sort of fine-ish, 32 and 34 minutes in the other two games against Atlanta and Miami. But not really the Embiid of old, and they, but the price is all the way down to nine thousand on Fanduel. Like so, it's like at some point there's going to be a breaking point on where ninety one hundred on DraftKings. There's a breaking point to which we say, well, you know, match up and whatever, be damned. Uh, there's we gotta we gotta play a guy like Embiid here, right? Like, um, what are your thoughts here on him in this matchup, or just this not the place to do it? And we just may, you know live to fight another day and just hope that the the price kind of sticks in this range for the next matchup. Yeah, I think the price will stick in all likelihood. Um, I guess my thoughts on Embiid and just center in general, and actually uh, Bucevic is a guy who's been flirting around lineups too, is that I just don't know center is a place you can pay up. Uh, like even in a scenario where Westbrook misses and you have to play Harden, right? And you get some value elsewhere with guys like McLemore or Austin Rivers or Eric Gordon. There's just not that much money to go around tonight. And center actually does present another pretty good cheap option in this very game in Brooke Lopez. And so I think that's kind of what our system is chewing on right now, which is, you know, while Embiid is probably a solid play and will absolutely rise past $10,000 again at some point in the likely pretty near future, right? I mean, he's actually been, just aside from that Boston game, he's been pretty damn effective on the minutes he's been out on the court. Like, I'm not worried about Embiid from a health perspective. Um, you know, 21 and 14, 24 and 10, 29 and 12 in those non-Boston games. Like, he's he's doing fine out there. It's just that I just, yeah, don't know if you can come up with the extra scratch to pencil him in. And Lopez, uh, 5,500, you know, again, that price is very based on the fact that Milwaukee picks and chooses their spots with him. Like, sometimes he'll play 24 minutes if the opposing team doesn't present a matchup that the Bucks feel is favorable for him. Sometimes he'll play 34 minutes like he did the last game against New Orleans. And so when I returned to this earlier game against Philly in December, Christmas Day, Lopez played 32 minutes and wasn't super effective. But I think if I can get him for 32 minutes, that's more than enough on a $5,500 price tag. And at least when I was kind of constructing lineups for myself last night, he was the guy I was building around at the center position. Yeah, I think that all makes sense. Um, I think that probably in the end that you find that we're going to find just other, you know, few other bits of value uh, around the slate that's going to make it not go that direction. And and from a Philly perspective, you 
usually don't want to run guys into a defense like Milwaukee is this season, right? So like even on a, even on a shorter slate, it's not typically where you want to be. New Orleans goes in to play Chicago. They're four and a half point home favorites. This game has, as of right now, the highest total, but that's because we're waiting on the Rockets and Lakers total. So, uh, yeah. because the Westbrook news just means there's no early line in this game. I suspect that probably this one, you know, it's, it's not going to be too much higher if, if, it, if it's higher at all. And I, you know, I wonder your thoughts here on Zion. So, Zion was something like an 83% start the other night on a shorter slate when they played the Bucks. He was. I mean, he's, I got two things. He's awesome to watch. It's like, feel, it feels like, I, I think I texted you, I was like, you know, we've watched him before, but just watching him again, I, I'm continually mesmerized by, he just like doesn't look like his body should be able to do the things that it's doing. It's so, it's so freaking fast. He was effective from a fantasy perspective, and he was very close to just being unbelievable from a fantasy perspective. He just ran, he just, he was five for 19 from the field. He got to the line 14 times, um, and there's no minutes limit on him. On him. They've, they, I think the, the, the goal is to play him like in six to seven minute spurts and get that number up to something like 33 minutes. Do you, judging by the ownership the other night and knowing that this matchup is pretty good, and like I said, it was, it was close to just being an absolutely bonkers night for him, do you think we see really high ownership on Zion? Like right now he's not in our lineup, and I would feel concerned if we didn't have him, I think, and he ended up looking at like that kind of ownership number because I think there's, there's, I think there's still significant upside in this price. Yeah, I would really like to play Zion tonight. I did write him up as my top play at the position because, you know, we, we've seen this with young players before. Our model is going to sometimes have a difficult time with players with such an extremely small sample size of games played. Uh, Zion at this point has only played seven games in the NBA and any baseline projections for him, you know, because oftentimes we can head into the season and we have a baseline projection on someone like Joel Embiid, right? And we don't need to modify it much based on the first seven games of the season because, Chances are good he's mostly the same guy with a few tweaks. Uh, with Zion, he's a total unknown, right? So uh, we can look at what he can do in an 18-minute performance against San Antonio or a 32-minute performance against Houston. But by and large, we're still – like the eyeball test still matters here. And I'm with you. I think – I mean, most people are seeing this. The ownership is going to be through the roof. But the fact that he's still fairly priced in a neutral matchup and taking on – the very best matchup in the league in the Chicago Bulls for opposing big men leads me to believe that you sort of have to play on the Bulls this season ranked dead last in fantasy points allowed to opposing power forwards and dead last in terms of, of fantasy points allowed to opposing centers. And that's in spite of playing basically a league average pace. So like, it's not like they're just playing fast and loose and giving up tons of fantasy points to everyone. It's just that they're terrible against opposing yeah. pigs. So I, I think you play Zion tonight and I don't think... I don't think that's an island that, you know, we're, we're often fine going out on an island. We did it last night. It worked out very, very well for us. I don't think Zion is one of those islands I want to be away from. Yeah, like, like I said, and, and it's funny, too. Like, the Pelicans already have just such massive trust. They, they stuck him on Giannis in that game. Like, they have massive trust already. It's like, it's one of those things where, you know, do the Pelicans believe that he's like, it's, I, I, I hate for this to matter, but like, do the Pelicans believe that they have like the truth here? It's like, yeah, dude, it's like, go out and guard your fifth game ever, rookie. Go guard the best player in the league. Okay. And he actually was like, yeah. Not terrible at it. And, again, on the other end, took the, the most shots on the team. So anything else to like about the Pelicans here? Blonzo, Brandon Ingram. Uh, he, Zion has definitely cut into their production a little bit. Um, Ingram was still pretty effective against the Bucks the other night. Lonzo d dished out. Uh, well, the assists were low, but the rebounds were there, 14 rebounds. Anything else to like here? And we can talk quickly about the Bulls. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to still play Lonzo. Uh, since Zion has been on the team, he's averaged better than 5x points per dollar. 
on this price. And the Bulls will find matchup. You know, they're not as good for opposing point guards, like I mentioned, but still roughly league average. So I think with Lonzo, you know, like Fournier or Marcus Morris, I don't think you're going to... Like, he actually does have some upside if it all comes together on a given night. Like, you get the points, rebounds, assists, and defensive stats like he did against Houston. But I think his rotations, you know, 36 to 38 minutes contributing across the board yields a floor that's totally passable. So, yeah, Lonzo is a guy I'd be happy to see at the point guard position. Ingram, a little bit less so just because he runs into the same problem. I was talking about Embiid, but probably more so where the price is pretty much fair and he's just in the wrong price point. Like, at 8200 I would need to feel like I was getting away with something. And I think he's just, yeah, just kind of in no man's land. Like, I'd rather I'd rather play Embiid, right, for 9000 or I'd rather just go cheap at the position. And so I don't see Ingram making our final lineup. What, what about the Bulls? Because the Bulls do grab a great, pretty great matchup here. This game has a high total. Yeah. The spread's pretty thin. I mean, it's up to five points on the Pelican side. But this game's still, like I said, 231.5 total. Uh I don't, you know, Bulls aren't a guy, team that we've, you know, really gravitated to too much to. They do get blown out a lot. They're not very good. This doesn't feel like the case. Like guys, like you know, can you make a case for guys like Levine, Sadoransky with Chris Dunn still out? I mean, I guess the minutes are kind of there. The big minutes are have been weird, like with Cornette and Thad Young doesn't always get there, and that price has come up. But is there any right. is there anything that you like uh, on the Bulls side, knowing that they probably have the best matchup DFS matchup of the slate? They do, but they're also just one of the worst DFS teams on the slate, too, if, if not the very worst. And they probably are the worst, right? Yeah. I mean, how, many, how many Bulls have we played this season, uh, even when there's been injury concerns? Right now, no Bulls are showing up, at least in our FanDuel lineup. I did not write any Bulls up last night. I think there's some interesting upside case to be made for big tournaments, you know? Like, you can get Levine in the right matchup, or he's just feeling it, and he can absolutely go off for you. But the Bulls are, you know, they're this weird combination of, a bad team that's not very exciting and they're all sort of like fairly priced as well <laughs> because you know they're just been kind of equally mopey and bad all season long so yeah i can't really see the case i mean i could see something like luke cornet you know if you think it's one of his 28 to 30 point nights or i'm sorry 20 to 30 minute nights then i can see it but um the bulls are a very difficult team to evaluate minutes wise because they're so often involved in lopsided games so I don't know exactly what their plan is. I could see people running Cornette out there. Uh, guy, I was just checking on, on a Hutchinson's price because Hutchinson had been a guy uh, that has been in the starting lineup. He's pretty cheap on DraftKings. He's he's interesting if you think the minutes tick up to like 30. He played 28 last game. We're probably a few minutes low on his minutes. Um, but he's mostly because he's coming pretty cheap and like doesn't stand to crush you at these prices. Like they, they, they pretty evenly distributed their shots last game. Again, they got totally blitzed by the Raptors. So, um, well, that's that's the thing I was going to say is I, I don't think you want to look at the last minutes game for him and or, or last games minutes for him because they lost by twenty seven points. I think it's it's just such a strange situation. Like the last truly close game they played was against San Antonio on January twenty seventh, and he played twenty one minutes. So. That's kind of why I was a little bit low on him, and I, I just don't see why on earth you would want to run that guy out there in cash games. Uh, yeah, it was mostly just because it, like, he was cheap, and I, I the move into the starting line, it doesn't matter. It's like, this is not like a really... This is, You're cheap. This is, How about that? Okay, good. Uh, 10 o'clock game, Spurs and <laughs> the Blazers going here. Uh, you know, like a lot of people in our system wanted to play Damian Lillard. Uh, we talked about him in the last podcast. Going, Price has come down, buddy. We're getting a discount now, 10 Well, you know, my caution, I said this in the podcast and said it to our users, is that... His his pre- recent performance has been great. There's no denying that. Um, the assists were the, something that I found interesting. The shots were interesting to a degree to me, but there was just so much evidence that the shooting was so unsustainably run hot that it just wasn't gonna 
it just couldn't sustain, right? He's not going to be a 55 to 60% three-point shooter over the course of like the rest of his career. Um, you know, played out <laughs> way worse than I ever would have expected for him uh, against the Nuggets when they got completely destroyed. He was really, really bad. Um, and so I, don't, I didn't expect it to be that bad of a performance. It was mostly just I didn't think that the price warranted a play when there was other superstars in the slate. But you're right, price has come down to 10-3 here. San Antonio, not a terrible DFS matchup, right? It's not the San Antonio of old. Is it time to kind of relock and load Lillard here? Um, I still, I'm, again, I'm all working under the assumption that Westbrook plays because I think this is like sort of, again, it's neither here nor there if we're going to play hard. But you know, what are your thoughts on Lillard running him back possibly into, into the Spurs here? Yeah, I don't think he was as bad as you make it out in that Denver game. Uh, yeah, they got blown out. And so he his total fantasy uh, points at the end were just a hair under 40 on FanDuel, which is pretty bad, obviously, on a nearly $11,000 price tag. But he also played 30% fewer minutes in that game, right? So if he if you add just 0.3 to that fantasy total, assuming that he played 39 minutes like he normally does, uh, you start to get like a 52-ish fantasy point performance, which is still not fantastic on his old price, but at 10-3, that's serviceable, right? Like that's not awful. And Denver, a very, very difficult matchup, especially going into Denver and playing in the altitude. So I think being at home against San Antonio, a significantly better spot at a much cheaper price point, I think you can definitely consider him. I, I think some of those gains were real. Uh, the assists would have been just where they had been last game, uh, had it all come together. So I think Lillard's playable, but he's about third on my list in terms of big money players I want to run tonight. And that's going to leave him being the odd man out unless we get, you know, unless something crazy happens and all of a sudden I can play three of these guys. Uh, so I think he's fine. Really interesting big tournament target. You don't need to just lock him in the, the way many people would have you think. And I think just with the gains that he's been, or the, the, the usage rate for him has gone so through the roof that it kind of probably, it has taken some shots off the table for some of these other Portland guys, rightfully so. Like he should be taking easily the most shots on the team. Yeah. Anything else to like about Portland? And then, you know, on the San Antonio side, um, this is this does represent a decent matchup for them, uh, but I, I, I struggle consistently to figure out what to do with their minutes, like what to do with Dejounte Murray's minutes outside of DeRozan and Aldridge, mm-hmm. I, who seem to me at this point like kind of be fra- fairly priced. I, I find it very difficult to know on a game to game basis what the Spurs' plan is around all the other sort of fringe players. Yeah, so uh, so starting with Portland, I didn't read up anyone else. I was tempted to read up Whiteside. Uh, he's another guy that if you can guess right on the minutes, you can get an otherworldly performance, you know, 70 fantasy points like you got against the Lakers, or you can get 16 like you got against Denver. And I don't know that that's where you want to be for cash games. Uh, in his last 10 games, he has three games, so 28 or fewer fantasy points. That's just terrible. That's like you lose automatically. So uh, given that Embiid is roughly the same price point, I would tend to lean there, although obviously Whiteside remains a consideration for big tournaments. Um, and then, you know, other guys were sort of kicking around, like the two nominal small forward options, Mello and Ariza, you know, somewhat fairly priced, I suppose. But like you said, the increased usage for Lillard not being accompanied by a dramatic decrease in price on these guys means that for cash games, it's probably a little bit rough. Uh, and then on San Antonio, I don't think I wrote up any Spurs. Uh, you know, our system likes Murray on a points per minute basis, but the minutes are just so questionable, right? I mean, if you're going to play 24 minutes at a $5,000 price tag, you need to be awfully good. And he's just not on that level. So another big tournament target, perhaps if you think it's night where he captures those 30 minutes, but I don't see how you start the night uh, 
you know, with that assumption, that doesn't seem responsible to me. Yeah, like in the same range, like in the, at least on FanDuel from a point guard perspective, like he'd probably rather play Fultz for a few hundred dollars more. He'd probably sure. rather play, I'd probably rather play Sadoransky for, you know, 400, 400 more than Murray, uh, just because at least I think the minutes floor is going to be there. And Murray, he, he, at the beginning of the season, it looked very much like he was going to be able to sustain this like crazy points per minute um, rate, but that has not really totally been the case. A lot of it was built on a defensive stats as well, and those are just kind of hard to replicate yeah. on a game-to-game basis. So that's my kind of concern with him, even though the price is in you know firmly in that middle to lower tier. If you can get the minutes, great, but it's just not it's just not consistent enough. And finally, we have the Lakers uh, facing off against the Rockets. So Laker, there's no early line on this game for most books. Our system is showing minus six and a half for the Lakers, but I think that's born out of maybe some kind of offshore thing that's not really readily available. Uh, right now but the the two big pieces here obviously one is the status of Russell Westbrook and whether or not he's going to play hopefully we have that news and the other kind of mini piece even if he weren't to play is is what if you know whether Robert Covington is going to play because Covington obviously they traded Capella uh, and got back Robert Covington and to a lesser degree they got back Jordan Bell but the you know it's some places are showing that projecting Covington to come in and start here and I just don't know exactly like well, for, for starters, if Covington plays, I think you have to really kind of just start writing off guys like Ben, ben McLemore, not so much Austin Rivers. This is even assuming Westbrook is out. Not so much Austin Rivers, I guess. But, you know, is this a situation where there's a very good chance going into 7 o'clock or 7.30 that we just don't even have enough information to put incredible lineups? Does that make sense, what I'm saying? Like, I, I, yeah. I'm, I'm very concerned between – and like I said, the, like I said, the, the – the Covington thing is lesser, but it's still meaningful. This Covington thing is meaningful for these Absolutely. for these fringe pieces. Um, well, it's certainly meaningful for guys like Daniel House, uh, who would be perhaps a very good play if Covington were to go out there, but maybe totally unplayable. We just don't know. And I, I think a piece like Covington in coming in that is very disruptive because he just plays a different position than the guy that gave away is not where you want to be uh, in terms of just straight-up guesswork. And I think you can actually make a decent lineup without including this Houston stack. But the risk you're running is if everyone, if if many other people decide to say like, eh, I'm just going to pretend like Westbrook's out tonight and just kind of go for it, then you can put yourself in a very uncomfortable spot where you make a pretty good lineup with the information you have, but your lineup is much worse than it would have been if you took a similar risk to everyone else. Uh, I think it makes big tournaments pretty interesting. I think you can just go for it in big tournaments, although I would imagine many people will have the same strategy. But I would say that on balance, if you don't have any news, just playing Harden seems fine anyway, right? Because he is already like fine on this price point. And at least like in the conversation with these other big money plays, like you might, you know, have a preference for Lillard or Anthony Davis or something like that on their current price point. But Harden's at least respectable on this price. And if Westbrook is out, he becomes phenomenal. So I think for that reason, I'm, I'm going to probably, unless I hear definitively that Westbrook is playing, I think I'm just going to run Harden and kind of hope for the best. Yeah, I think I, I probably with you. I think you can play Harden and you just kind of have to not be able to trust any of these other Rockets pieces. And I'm talking about guys like played a lot like last game, like McLemore played 37 minutes. That's gone if Covington is there. Uh, House played 42 minutes. It's not good. They're not going to stop playing, but Covington's going to take one for one minutes from those guys specifically, right? So if you exactly. so if you think Covington comes in and just plays twenty five to thirty minutes, which I think is like a reasonable number, you just have to start subtracting those minutes from those two guys and Sepalosha played seventeen minutes. Like that probably be, it's probably the end of Sepalosha. So it's like, oh, yeah. um, but you know, thirty minutes is re- even even taking ten, to, you know, seven to eight minutes per guy across the board makes all those guys. 
um, pretty useless from a DFS perspective. What about the Lakers mm -hmm. uh, running back the other way? We played Davis at low ownership the other night. It was absolutely brutal. They blew. They, they won the game by a lot. He was he was completely terrible from a from from a fantasy perspective. Just the minutes were gone, and uh, just the production wasn't there. Guys like him and LeBron, I get that, you know we're pretty much starting and stopping our lineups with guys like that from a discussion standpoint. Is this the night to? stack those guys again our system often wants to do this loves davis on a game-to-game -game basis because for yeah. obvious reasons but there do seem to be peaks and valleys with him around this price point that sometimes make me feel a little uncomfortable about him from a cash game perspective yeah the big thing about davis is they will just take him out when the game gets out of hand and the game for the lakers often gets out of hand and you know it doesn't even have to be like a monumental blowout for him to lose minutes sometimes and that's pretty concerning uh you know but i will say though that in his last four games, there were two games where he played 38-plus minutes. And going up against one of the other actual contenders in the West, you'd have to guess that, on average, this game would be a blowout less frequently uh, than it would be if they were playing the Spurs or the Kings or you know some of these other teams that they've blown out recently. So I do think you could play Davis. I think he presents, obviously, like some pretty significant issues for the Rockets, who are just abandoning size whole hog. And while Tucker can aggressively cover people of all sizes and so on, uh, he has to still present one of the better matchups that Davis is going to see. So I think you can play him. I think I would probably rank him behind, right behind Harden in terms of my most attractive big money plays for tonight. Uh, maybe Giannis is there too. I don't know. It's a, it's a very tricky slate. It reminds me of a few nights ago where a lot of pretty interesting big money plays and not a lot of cheap guys to enable them. So yeah, you know, it's funny. Yeah, this is like, this is like, this is it's funny too because this is almost all the exact same teams as the other night as well. Right, like exactly. it's you know that Lakers and, and Rockets were on that slate. Portland was on that slate. Uh, I, I think actually oh, this is almost like one to one. What one two three? Because yeah, Giannis was on that slate. Right? Yeah, Milwaukee was here too. It's like this is almost all the same exact <laughs> same exact guys and same exact problems. In that when you look down the list, once you start taking that Houston cheap value off the table, if Westbrook were to sit. There, as of right now, there is not much else to kind of grab onto. Like, look, this, this mm. stuff can kind of change uh, pretty quickly. But at, if, if, if things were to stay the same from a, from a sort of injury standpoint, as of right now, your value is lying in guys like Fournier and Terrence Ross. And that's a scary position to be in when you're talking about paying up for higher price guys, right? So, like, I think that's mostly kind of what I'm looking at as a, as a moderate issue going into this night. And, look, we have a full... 12 hours or ish to start, you know, for plenty of news to come in, other trades to happen and whatnot. We're going to get out of here. DailyFantasySportsRankings.com is the site. I got my kids screaming in the back. DailyFantasySportsRankings.com. DFSR.com for short. DFSR.com slash deals will get you started. Optimal lineups, FanDuel, DraftKings, NHL, NBA, MLB, when this comes around, all cover under one subscription package. So go check that out. DFSR.com slash deals. Free for seven days and then just $29.95 a month after. Buddy, enjoy your Thursday in basketball. Will do.